Yo, what's up? Welcome to In The Thick. I'm Maria Hinojosa. And I'm Julio Ricardo Varela, and this is ITT Sound Off. And Maria, I might sound a little bit different right now because, you know... Just a little bit. Just a little bit because you... <laughs> it's what you do, Julio. You know, we record at home. I have this amazing setup by the team. Great microphone. But in my Latino jazz hands moment, I get passionate. Uh-oh. I knock down my recording kit on my cellar floor. Ay, Dios. Por Dios. I need to get it repaired. So I'm actually recording through the team phone line right now. Okay. Full disclosure. That's why Julio sounds like he's on the phone because he's on the phone. But just for today. <laughs> All right. Let's get to our first topic. Guess what it is? Yeah. <laughs> I mean... It is the story of the moment. We are, every single one of us, living through world history of living through a pandemic. So we're going to start with a COVID-19 update. The number of cases and deaths continues to rise worldwide. The pandemic continues to spread in the United States, which is now the epicenter of the pandemic. The country is falling deeper and deeper into a recession. Yep. Every corner of the job industry is being impacted. The SBA, the Small Business Administration, already ran out of funding allocated by Congress's stimulus package. Poof, it's gone. According to the Labor Department, numbers released on Thursday in the last four weeks, a record total of 22 million people have filed for unemployment. Wow. Wow. That's just, I, I mean, that number, Maria, 22 million. Okay, so that's happening. And then the President of the United States is talking about reopening things. And the reality is that you need to have, I mean, every scientist, every public health official is saying that you have to have mass testing. You know, on Thursday, right, there are these new guidelines that they were released by the White House after he said, like, I'm in charge here earlier in the week. He's now leaving <laughs> it up to the governors, which I'm like, OK, dude, he didn't even mention the need for testing. Then also on Thursday, Governor Andrew Cuomo of New York, right, which is still if the United States is the epicenter country, New York is the epicenter region of the world, right, of this virus. He announced an extension of the shutdown across the entire state of New York up to May 15th. So already, you know, that's another month away. Right. New York is among one of more than a dozen states and also in D.C., that have already extended these types of orders beyond the White House's April 30th guidelines. And then you look at these leaders, the way they're dealing with this pandemic from Trump, his administration, governors, you know, city mayors. It's basically now become this fight, right? I'm, I feel like it, we have to hear like, doo -doo -doo -doo, doo -doo 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 -doo. I just did West Side Story. Ba, 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 ba. I had to do that because I'm feeling like, you know, it, there's a showdown here, right? Except that those those people were cool, okay? <laughs> those people in the West Side Story were cool. Okay, very heavily made up, not Latinos. They were Greek, you know, all kinds of flaws. But the music, Leonard Bernstein, was amazing. You get the point. So it was like showdown, right? So here's what Governor Cuomo said on CNN tonight on Wednesday, responding to Trump's comments that it's the state's responsibilities to do testing. Why is it so hard? Is it about not having enough tests, not enough people, not enough labs? Why can't America do it when we can do everything? Yeah, it's all of the above. It's all of the above. Look, can we do it? Can you? Yes. Can you do it in one month? 
Well, no. So everybody's reaction is hands off because this is now going to be the blame game. Well, there wasn't enough testing. Who's to blame? That's why the president said 11 times. After I said 11 times, the states can't do the tests, right? You've never heard me say I'm not capable. I give up. Uh, I don't like to say it. It's not who I am. It's not what I believe. But I said it because I want to make sure we're clear. I can't do it. You know, um, Cuomo has been getting a lot of praise in the media for how he's handling this outbreak. And I've said it here. Yeah. He is the only person who I listen to in terms of the daily kind of update. He is so not perfect. Um, His arrogance is everywhere. But I do I do appreciate the way he has handled certain aspects of this, you know, situation in the state of New York. He's also, there's been a lot of confusion. There's been mixed signals. He has been clearly open arguing with the mayor of New York City, Bill de Blasio, you know, over who has the authority to close schools, for example, you know, close parks, et cetera. And then there's Trump, who's basically been criticizing everyone. I mean, hello. But this headline really caught me, Julio. This headline from Rebecca Traster writing for The Cut. Enough with the dick swinging. And I was like, girl, I feel you. I totally feel you living in New York. I totally feel you. You know, Trumpy, de Blasio, Cuomo. This is a quote from her piece. It says, So Cuomo calls Trump dictatorial and Trump calls governors who challenge him mutinous. And these men have media cockfights while people die. It's not cute. It's not funny. It's not hot. It's a travesty. And it tells us everything about power and how it's distributed, how it's communicated, how it's understood and how it's mismanaged to tragic and malignant effect. So, Julio, we wanted to talk about the patriarchy, white male power, white male supremacy in the face of this pandemic. And I'm just going to share with you this morning on my early morning walk through my Harlem Park, you know, and just being so appreciative of healing and feeling healthy and being able to walk. I mean, I'm now I'm being attacked by allergies. So like I can barely see between the glasses and the face mask and the this and the glasses fogging up and my eyes tearing up. It's like, but, you know, I was thinking A block away from my park, people are living in public housing. Yeah. And while I have the capacity to enjoy and take a picture of a flower or a tree or meditate, for example, you know, in Central Park, I suddenly was just my heart got so compressed because I started thinking about the families within stone's throw from me who are like, shit, unless our neighbors are helping us, we may not eat. And how powerless I felt. How are these people who are the most desperate being served by a Governor Cuomo or a Bill de Blasio? You tell me where very specifically they're addressing the immediate need as opposed to, excuse me, excuse me, the dick swinging. I hate to say that. Gross. You kind of do hate to say it, but you said it twice (laughs) because the image of it is so, (laughs) I mean, it perfectly encapsulates everything that is going on, at least on the political sense. By the way, a couple of things regarding Cuomo. You know, he has said that the way in which we will return is that people who test positive for the antibody will be able to return to work first. And this gets into a whole level of like, 
futuristic, scientific, medical-based discrimination and or acceptance. Yeah, yeah. This is from a piece um, in The Atlantic that says, quote, any certificate that affords special status, like the ability to work while others are quarantined, will create incentives for people to deliberately infect themselves or to game the system with counterfeits. Mm. That was a uh, Alexandra Phelan of Georgetown University. I mean, I can feel it, right? I can already feel it. Like, wait, what? That sounds immediately discriminatory and so invasive. And this is the problem a little bit. You know, now it's become personality driven. It's become a reality show. So everyone is now, you know, the way the news media, you know, mainstream, I mean, cable news, I mean, people that are covering this on the, you know, daily levels, but this whole nonsense of everyone's a character now because that's the only way you can look through this and everything's becoming repeated. So it's like, you know, Cuomo, you know, the anti-Trump and then Trump, the evil fascist Mussolini guy who says he's in charge. And then you have de Blasio as, you know, the renegade city mayor uh, for Cuomo and all this. So it, it becomes a, a characters, right, Maria? And then you extend it Such across the country and you, you start seeing, wow, there's a lot of white male governors out there. But here's the other thing I want to point out. Just want to raise the issue of Puerto Rico Governor Wanda Vasquez, who is not a man. She is a woman. She is a Republican. You know, she has this lockdown in Puerto Rico that's over 30 days now. Testing is ridiculously low. Scientists are freaking out. Puerto Rico is testing lower per capita than the rest of the United States. It's the death rate from coronavirus, you know, from known positive cases. There are more deaths. Like the death rate is higher than the national average. And she's coming in as like, I am in charge. And it's this desire as well. Like the patriarchy, the white male patriarchy is sort of this a thing you want to attain in politics, right? You want to be tough. You want to be like out there. And even someone like Wanda Vasquez, who she's trying to almost be Trumpian, right? So I'm even fascinated by this, you know, white, blonde, Puerto Rican woman. Ugh. You know what I'm saying? Don't get me started on Miss Wanda. Don't get me started. I know, but you know what I'm saying? So I've been focusing on that this week because if you think the United States, like overall, like people in Puerto Rico are, they're freaking out. So, well, hello. I mean, Julio, the savior complex, which by the way, we all, you know, that is produced out of Hollywood. The white male savior. Yes. We all consume Hollywood movies, Hollywood scripts. So we all fall victim to wanting, you know, a savior. I mean, that's I think has a lot to do with, you know, where Trump comes in. I do want to say something in terms of governors, because Governor Gavin Newsom on Wednesday announced that California, by the way, 30 percent of all Latinos in the United States live in the state of California. Yeah. Not all of them are undocumented, but many are, especially those who work in the food areas, of course. Right. Cosechando la comida that we're all eating, right? Picking the food that we're all eating. Yeah. Governor Gavin Newsom, this was, I mean, oh God, it's good news in, in a terrible situation because we're pretty much fucked. But this is great news that Governor Gavin Newsom announced that California will give $500 per adult to the 150,000 undocumented immigrants in the state who were not eligible right. for aid from the federal government's stimulus package. It's still a little tiny bit, but Newsom said the aid will be covered by a combination of taxpayer and charitable dollars. And then, you know, the guy who I'm like watching and yeah, listening yeah. to, See, you're Cuomo. Pero, pero coño, Cuomo, he's all like, you know, and we have to understand, like one of the things I like about him is how he's made this a little bit personal, you know, about like his family and how his wife and kids are getting sick of him and like, you know, how it's taking his psychological pressure and all. I hear it, but, you know, but, but you know what? 
Andrusito Cuomo, <laughs> the least you can do in this moment, yeah, the least you can do is to actually put into action the words that you are saying, which is, we're going to care for each other, and we're tough New Yorkers, and we've been through this, and we've been through that. Yeah. You know how many undocumented people have lived through 9-11, right? Do you know how many? So how about if you follow in the footsteps of the very forward-thinking state of California and help undocumented immigrants in the state of New York? This morning, Julio, I saw a day laborer with his backpack on, trying to find work. And I was heartbroken. These are the people who are keeping New York City running, por Dios, Governor Cuomo. I'm sorry, did I get emotional there? Sorry. You're not emotional. You're being passionate. But also, just to put a button on this before we move on to our second topic, de Blasio, he announced a plan on Thursday to launch a $20 million fund, right, to help 20,000 undocumented workers and their families in the city. So individuals could receive 400 bucks. And couples or single parents with children will receive $800. And families with multiple adults and children will get 1000 bucks. So de Blasio is doing it. Cuomo's like, ah, we don't have money. And then Gavin Newsom, who in this whole reality show, I think is the, you know, swashbuckling white male governor from the West. You know, he really <laughs> stepped up with California. Let's move on to our second topic. Which is going to be a 2020 update. And there is news. There is plenty of news. So Joe Biden is the prospective Democratic nominee. I'm not 100 percent convinced, but that's a different conversation. So let's just assume that he is. Well, he is, Julio. You can't. I mean, he is. I mean, anything can happen. We didn't know six months ago that we'd be living through a pandemic. But basically, he is. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So I'm going down that road. So with that said, all of a sudden, all these endorsements start coming in this week. Uh-huh. Bernie Sanders, he suspended his campaign. And then on Monday, boom, Bernie Sanders endorsement. So then Bernie and Joe, they did a, a joint virtual stream. And here's what Bernie said. So today I am asking all Americans, I'm asking every Democrat, I'm asking every independent, I'm asking a lot of Republicans to come together in this campaign to support your candidacy, oh. which I endorse, to make certain that we defeat somebody who I believe, and I'm speaking just for myself now, uh, is the most dangerous president in the modern history of this country. Then, on Tuesday, right after the Sanders endorsement, who shows up with a 12-minute video on Joe Biden's like you know <laughs> campaign page, but none other than Barack Obama who was literally holding back throughout this entire primary season. I mean, seriously. And then, boom, Obama. Choosing Joe to be my vice president was one of the best decisions I ever made. And he became a close friend. And I believe Joe has all the qualities we need in a president right now. He's someone whose own life has taught him how to persevere, how to bounce back when you've been knocked down. Joe has the character and the experience to guide us through one of our darkest times and heal us through a long recovery. And then on Wednesday, there was another progressive in the race. My uh, senior senator of Massachusetts, Elizabeth Warren, she also endorsed Biden. Joe Biden has spent nearly his entire life in public service. He knows that a government run with integrity, competence, and heart will save lives and save livelihoods. And we can't afford to let Donald Trump continue to endanger the lives and livelihoods of every American. I actually went on Twitter this week, Maria, and I'm like, wow, all these endorsements. 
And there's this question about whether there's excitement with Biden and is this all manufactured party unity? I was told, Julio, this is all about strategy. Be Republican. And I'm like, guys, I'm not a Democrat. I don't work for Democrats. I'm just asking the damn question. Of course. A lot of conversation around Biden is not focusing on his policies, but on who his vice presidential pick will be. So Warren even said that she would accept the offer to be his running mate if she was asked. So Maria, all these endorsements, and there was another endorsement, right? That Well, yeah, it would be, actually, it's not on her Instagram where she has 4.3 million followers that she, the she would be, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez endorsed Joe Biden as well. It almost feels like... I know that we've been talking about the importance of the Democratic Party having some semblance of a raison d'etre. Like, what do you stand for? You know, if Trump stands for build a wall and we all know that, like exactly what does the Democratic Party stand for? And we've been critical of the Democratic Party, been kind of saying you guys need to do something. But then when this happens, and I'm sorry, yeah, people are going to be like, well, you're not satisfied with the Democrats either. It's not that. It's just that it feels so contrived. Mm, Exactly. To me, it just feels so contrived. It just feels like, you know, then this, then as opposed to a little bit more authentic, I think in particular, the question of Obama is just like, you're kidding, right? Like, you know, he was your VP and you weren't able to endorse him at the beginning. It took all of this. I think, yes, you know, there is the whole question of who um, his possible running mates might be. There was a list of women who came up. I have to be honest with you. Many of them I didn't know. I knew Stacey Abrams. I knew Kamala Harris. I knew Elizabeth Warren. I knew Jean Shaheen from New Hampshire. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, the, the the people who I mentioned are the ones that, to me, are the most exciting, which means probably that they're going to choose somebody who I didn't just mention. <laughs> I know. Seriously. Can I say two things about all this? Memo to the Joe Biden campaign. Maria, just expect the calls and the tweets. But here's the two things I'm going to say. Number one, memo to the Joe Biden campaign. You're getting your ass kicked in digital media and social media. So true. I mean, where is he? ¿Dónde está Joe Biden? Óyeme, Joe Biden, ¿dónde estás on the internet? Here's the thing, right? Trump has like 106 million combined followers on Facebook and Twitter. And there's all these like Trump campaign accounts, like Catholics for Trump and Latinos for Trump. And they're all coordinated, Maria. You know, I'm a digital media director at Futuro and I'm looking at this setup and I'm like, Damn, I got to give you guys props because you got your digital game down. Biden only has 6.7 million. And one of the things that I will mention about this, Maria, is that people need to see what the Trump campaign is actually doing, whether good or bad. You know, they're doing all these live streams. They're professionally done. They're just still in campaign mode. During this pandemic, they don't give a shit. Well, they they just released a campaign video during one of his COVID-19 updates and it became a campaign video moment so much so that, of course, as you know, the networks turned away. So the dude is campaigning all the time. Right. And then I shared this tweet to the team on Thursday night. Terrible, terrible. You want to explain it, Maria, what I sent you guys? Because you were like, what the fuck? 
it ba- oh god, it was so terrible. It basically is a picture of a bunch of alleged MS-13 gang members, super tattooed, and the headline is something like, you know, Joe Biden, we want you to win because you are going to stop deporting us. And basically, you know, MS-13 loves Joe Biden. And it's just like, are you kidding me? Right. And so that's an official campaign tweet. So I'm telling you guys, the Trump campaign is like on another level. You know, they're going all races, all xenophobe. And here's the other thing I'm going to say, Maria, Latino voters, Latinos for Trump. I know Biden got like Latino Victory Project and got like Voto Latino endorsing him now. That happened, uh, I think, on Thursday. But there's this poll that came out with the economists and YouGov that Biden only got 44 percent of Latino support compared to Trump, who got 40 percent. Biden's only winning 44 to 40 over Latino. And I'm like, well, you contrast that then because the other big question is, I wonder, do you think the Biden campaign has said to Sanders, yo, can you teach us and connect us with all those Latinos and Latinas and all those <laughs> Hispanics that you connect? Do you think you can give us their numbers so we can call them and text them and reach out to them? I don't know. Oye, me Julio, sabes que? I don't know. Like, I would think that one of the first calls that Joe Biden's people would be making right about now is to say, oh, Maria Hinojosa wants to do an interview with Joe Biden for Latino USA because she interviewed the other candidates. Oh, maybe we should be calling Latino USA and saying we will take that interview. Yeah. And instead, I'm worried that, in fact, they're sitting on their hands. And what Sanders did, and you know that I'm critical of every single candidate, and I got a lot of blowback for that. That's okay. No matter, nadie le puede decir nada a Sanders, a Sanders, a Tio Bernie, de que they worked their butts off. They created a system. Right. They engaged with Latino and Latina voters in states like, hello, South Carolina. And they did it consistently and well. And the question is, will the Democratic Party, will they get this info from from Bernie? How did he do it and follow through and do that high touch, which clearly Latinos and Latinas like? We like it when you reach out to us. High touch. It matters. Yeah. So I don't want to end this on a bummer note. It's the weekend. <laughs> you got any joy? We got any joy. What are, you, are you looking forward to the weekend? I don't even know if it is a weekend for me, but you know, every day feel, are you just going out and doing born free and running around in the fields like, you know, Maria from uh, Sound of Music or are you doing anything else? <laughs> you know, I am looking forward to something. Yes. So I know it's really hard to look forward to things in some ways because every day is the same, but there is something special that I'm doing this weekend. I am doing uh, hashtag Delivering Democracy 2020. It's through Arizona State University, the Center for the Study of Race and Democracy. So that's going to happen on Saturday at 2 p.m. local time in Phoenix. And we're going to be talking about democracy and, and how to, you know, keep democracy going in these challenging times. Of course, Arizona is such an important state, such an inspiring state. Ten years ago, Arizona was dealing with SB 1070, the Show Me Your Papers law. And right now, Arizona is a purple state because people are participating in democracy. And I'm looking forward to that. And also, okay, truth, Eva Longoria made a little recipe for a chicken salad on her little Instagram. And I'm like, I got to make that chicken salad. So I'm going to try and make... Now that I achieved making my abuelitas consomé, next is I'm going to make a chicken salad. A la estilo Eva Longoria. 
<laughs> we just got a shout out on In the Thick. I kind of love that. What about you, Julio? What are you looking forward to? Two things. I'm doing a video for the Harvard Crimson, my student newspaper that I was a sports editor in because they want alumni to connect with young student journalists and say like, hey, there's a future in journalism, even in this pandemic. And here I am. I'm going to talk about Futuro. And I'm super excited for that. And also, last thing, you mentioned Eva Longoria. Latino Rebels is involved in a farm worker virtual concert relief benefit that she's hosting on Cinco de Mayo. And there's going to be more nice. about that. We're going to be media partners. Nice. Very sweet. I'm so glad. Yeah, we're very excited. Bravo, Julio. Thank you for all the work that you do on Latino Rebels. And thank you to each and every one of you who are listening today. I'm Maria Hinojosa. And I'm Julio Ricardo Varela. All right, you people, all of you dear listeners, we know this is a super challenging time. It can be affecting our young people. I know I've got two of them at home. It's really affecting young people because, you know, schools are shut. Everything gets canceled in terms of programming. It's hard to get services and support. And of course, as we're thinking about the people who are more vulnerable, I'm thinking a lot about the LGBTQ community, the youth of color who are more likely to be homeless, bullied. So if you are part of this community and you've been struggling with the idea of home or finding a place, a safe place to shelter during this quarantine and how you're kind of managing that, we want to hear from you. Yeah, so call us to leave a voicemail on the In The Thick hotline at 505-226-8973 or send us a voice memo via email inthethick at futuromediagroup.org. And remember to go to Apple Podcasts to rate and review us because it really helps. Also, you can listen to In the Thick on Pandora, Spotify, wherever you choose to get your podcast today. Follow us on Twitter and on Instagram at In the Thick Show. Like us on Facebook. And of course, tell everyone who you're seeing virtually to listen to In the Thick. It's produced by Nicole Rothwell, Noor Saudi, and our New York Women's Foundation Ignite fellow, Harsha Nahada. Our audio engineers are Stephanie LeBeau, Julia Caruso, and Leah Shaw in our Harlem apartment. This was recorded by Raul Perez. Our digital editor is Luis Luna. The music you heard is courtesy of Nacional Captain ZZK Records. We'll see you on our next episode, dear listener. Hasta la próxima. Nos vemos. I'm fixing my recording kit. Bye. <laughs> Bye. The opinions expressed by the guests and contributors in this podcast are their own and do not necessarily reflect the views of Futuro Media or its employees.